Hey guys, welcome to episode number 64. How is everybody doing? Yeah, good. I'm just thinking about I'm just thinking about if that time still works. Guys, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Oh my days, this is gonna be another situation where Pabilo falls asleep and we're all waiting for him when it's time no, to I think last time he went to he went he went to Reading or something. Oh yeah, he went to Reading last time. Yeah, I was thinking, who oh. fell asleep, bro? Yeah, so he went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mate, I was I was driving like eighty miles per hour on the highway, and then get a, get a message from you guys like, "Yo, we're recording." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I'm in gear six, burning it down. Um, yeah, guys, I'm good. I'm well, man. I'm well. Looking forward to this conversation. Um, Daniel's crafted a very nice agenda, so very nice. Let's, let's see how. One... <laughs> This is gonna to be tough. This is gonna be very tough with his internet. <laughs> I thought I thought Pete was joking at first. <laughs> what about you, Daniel? How are you? Whilst we wait for yeah, I'm, I'm all good, thank you. I'm well. I'm well. How are you coping on lockdown? This is now week. I guess by the time the listeners here, it's gonna be week three of the lockdown. So how are you coping on the second lockdown? Been the same as has been the last seven months. <laughs> Nothing's really changed. Nothing's changed. For, for you guys, is there is there any pathway to going back to the office before the end of the year? Oh, no way. No, nah, people are going fun. in. People are going in for me. Whereas if you have um, a burning desire or your work situation or you want to do a couple of days in the office a week, you're, you're allowed to. You're more than allowed to. You are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For us, there's is no. They're going to reassess beginning of next year when they're going to get people in. Unless obviously you have essential roles, so manufacturing, operation roles, and people working. But for us, nope. P, you back? Restart your internet. <laughs> I don't know if you're frozen or is just right, here playing. He's frozen. Yep. He's frozen. Yeah, P, we need to fix this for the next interview, big man. Because if we're all staying up until midnight and then this oh. is <laughs> <laughs> he might have to do the interview from his office. I think that's the only place he's going to find good in, um, internet. Okay, so, um, no, like uh, Pabilo said when he comes back, but Daniel has put together a great episode um, talking about taking a leap of faith. Um, so I'm really excited for this topic because I think it's going to be a topic where we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, not only talk about successes, but also some of our failures as well. So stay tuned and let's get started. Cool. So I this this um agenda was kind of helped helped be um I was well one of our listeners messaged me and were you know they're quite a, an avid listener of ours and they were keen to hear a bit more about you know taking a leap of faith and to hear personal experiences of leaping and succeeding or failing and learning. And I thought it would be a very good opportunity for us to all speak, you know, be as vulnerable as you as you want. It can be personal, it can be professional experiences that we've encountered that maybe we haven't gone, they haven't gone as well as we thought, or ones that we've taken a leap of faith and it's been, you know, exceeded our expectations. You know, what did we learn from it? How did the end result make us feel? What did we learn about ourselves? And if we were to do it again, you know, what, is there anything that we will do differently? Um, rather than just focus on successes you know let's also think about shortcomings and failures if we you know really deep dive into you know experiences that we've had i'm anyone does anyone want to open up first before i can carry on talking 
you can you can start. Yeah, Why let's set, set, set the scene, Daniel. Set the scene. Yes. Okay, I want to so... know, how, depending on your level of vulnerability, everyone waits for that first person to kind of set the benchmark, and then we go from there. Okay, well, my first my, my first experience is going to be where I was about to take a leap of faith and I didn't, um, and it's for a number of reasons. So about I'd say just uh, about eighteen months ago, I was uh, you know, and this is in the um, working environment. I found myself really disliking work. Mm. I found myself really hating my role. Um, I found myself in a situation where I wasn't enjoying waking up in the morning going to work. Um, I would say not wouldn't say I was depressed, but it was borderline that it was affecting my mental state and my relationships to the extent that one day my brother came to see me at work um, and he was asking me what's wrong. I said nothing, but he was quite concerned with how I felt. You know that he spoke to to the family to see you know if everything was okay. Um, and it got to a stage in my role that I just was really really disliking it. Um, was ready to leave, ready to quit. Um, and so I actually started applying for jobs elsewhere, outside, externally, because um, I didn't just, there wasn't anything I, see, I had seen internally. So I was looking externally. Um, I had a conversation with someone. I think I applied the next day. I got a call back and they invited me for an interview. It wasn't too far from my current workplace. I went for a walk on my lunch break and had the interview. Um, and, you know, the conversation went well. They really liked me. I had a follow-up about a month later or so. Um, and they actually, offered they gave me they offered me the role um spoke on the personal terms um and everything i wanted was done you know they went to the ceo to to basically pull the strings out the bag and i found myself you know it wasn't something i was doing it because i was really detesting my current role i was doing it because i wasn't satisfied and i felt like i just had i had got all i wanted from my current role and wasn't really look at looking forward to progressing in that area um and it was a very quite difficult few months um, for me before me applying for the role and me just navigating very long days going to work long commutes etc um i remember my dad came to the office once and you know we he'd, he'd you know we talk about this all the time and we spoke about it and he came to the office just you know we'd have coffees every so often so he, when he was in london and you know he said to me, you're not in the wrong house, you're just in the wrong room. So he saw that I was comfortable that this, where I'm working is where I'm supposed to be, but I'm just possibly in the wrong room. Um, I decided not to go with that role actually, uh, because I felt like if I was leaving for that role, I'll be leaving for the wrong reasons. It wouldn't be something that really resonated with me, the values of the company, what they stood for, what they did. I didn't really care, I was just, you know, it's an opportunity that came, I'm just gonna take it, let me go. So I decided after long deliberation, and it was actually uh, only women in South Africa, they had offered me the role beforehand, I think. Um, and yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah, so I, I kind of longed it out. Um, just that was just time for me to think about whether I wanted to take or not. And I said no. And lo and behold, went back to work, back to the office. You know, of course, no one caught wind of this. No one knew about this. And even till today, no one really knows about this. And I started looking internally. And I had an honest, frank conversation with my manager at the time. And I said to him that I'm not enjoying my role. Um, this was around like mid-year evaluations where we talk about performance, et cetera. And I told him, I'm not enjoying my role. And I was actually quite nervous before telling him I wasn't enjoying my role because you don't really have those conversations with managers. You know, I'm not enjoying my role. Okay, so if you're not enjoying it, what are you going to do? 
what's next? You don't want it to seem like there's a performance issue or anything like that down the line that because they're not enjoying it now, their performance is going down. Um, and he actually thanked me. He said, you know, I appreciate your transparency. I appreciate your honesty and, you know, sharing this with me. And he asked me, you know, what is it I would like to do? Are there roles? Have I spoken to people? You know, what can he do to help his his network, my network, et cetera? And I started having conversations internally um, for roles that were of interest to me. And there was a role that was of extreme interest to me that I really loved and till this, to, till this day, I really enjoyed. And I just had conversations with people in that team. I had conversation with the manager and there weren't any roles available. It was just for me to get to know more about this role and what they did, et cetera, because I'd only seen it from the outside in and it's a very internal role. It's very specific, very precise. Um, and people don't, that there aren't many offerings of this role. It's a very niche, niche, um, niche, niche team. And about six weeks after I had the, four weeks after I had the, um, the conversation, I said thanks to the manager. I said, "Oh, if any roles you know do pop up, please do let me know. I'm very interested." And about four weeks later, I get an alert on internal system that there's a, a opportunity in that team. There's an advertised. They've advertised a role. I was like, "Damn!" I was like, "This is my lucky day." So I got. <laughs> I applied. I spoke to my manager. Well, I applied to the role. Then I told my manager I'd applied because they get in, they get notifications anyway when you apply for an internal role. Um, spoke to people at the team again, tried to get more information, had an interview, um, went very well. Then I went went to the next stage and final stage, which was the global head. And I was told, you know, if if, if, they, if she looks away, she's not engaging, don't worry, that's just how she is. She can be on her phone. She can be talking to someone. She can be typing, but she's listening and she's on her job because she'll catch you off guard. And I prepared for that interview. Then they wanted just to do something uh, another stage for me which is to do a case study of some scenarios that the team do and to be honest, you're not going to know these scenarios because you've never done it before but they want to see your reasoning um <clears throat> submitted that i did that over the over a weekend submitted that on the monday morning uh, and then i got feedback later in that week and the guy said he wanted to talk to me i was like okay so we went up um to like a informal meeting room we had a conversation and he said it was a very difficult decision. You know, he said about 10 applicants it came down to two people, you and someone else. And I'm thinking, oh, here we go. <laughs> I ain't got it. Because if you're having this conversation with me, I ain't got it. And he said to me that every, they liked me. Did I interviewed very well. The case study, I aced it. Um, did very, very well. That the only reason why they were given this other person the role was because they were Experience. doing this role in a different region and yeah. because they've excelled they wanted to give them an opportunity to do it in a bigger market yeah and i'm thinking damn if this person didn't apply this would be my job and bearing in mind <laughs> i'm currently hating my job so this is yeah. my i'd put all my eggs in my ba this basket thinking yes this is me in, in like three days time i can be like i'm out <laughs> i'm out <laughs> this is my role um and i was i'm not gonna lie i was disappointed i was extremely disappointed very, very disappointed that I didn't get the role because I thought if I don't get this role, this is the only job I want at the moment internally that I feel I can really add value and I can learn a lot from. And I know that the, the uh, positions in here come far and few between. And I'm thinking, damn, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, what am I going to do? Because I don't want now to, like, to let this dishearten me and tail off and I'm just doing a nosedive in performance, etc. And I thought, flip. So anyway, I carried on um, reluctantly, um, 
just was just working, working, working. And then uh, in December last year, actually, rather fortunate, a great project came on my plate um, in terms of my current position, um, the position I was in. And a great project came onto my plate, which gave me great exposure to senior management, great exposure internally, um, also with a very, very big client and with a number of um, major banks. And so it was a very high profile project. And to be honest, that kind of reignited the flame in me. And since then, I've I've loved I've loved my role. I think going into this year, I've really really enjoyed it. So it was it was going from a place of really hating my role, getting a no from something that there was no feedback that I can improve on for next time, to now given something an opportunity which I took with both hands and thought, you know what, let me just do it. And it's been ongoing throughout the year, still ongoing now, and I've really really been enjoying it. And it's funny because earlier this year, I think it was, it was either April, it might have been April or May, I get another alert. There's a role available for that same team. And I'm thinking, flip. <laughs> and I'm thinking, flip. I remember I spoke to my dad, I was like, the role's become available again. But I said to him, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if I want it. I said, I'm enjoying my role so much that I don't know if I want to move to this role anymore. This role, you know, would allow me to travel every every couple of months. But obviously, with COVID hit, it's not going to happen. And I was like, I'm not sure if I want the role. But I said, I'm going to apply anyway. I'll get to that bridge when I get to that bridge. I can make a decision depending on what the outcome is. Apply for the role, get invited to an interview. It's the same manager. It's like one and final, the first and last stage of the process. No need to go to any any further stages. I remember I'm sitting right here, I put on a shirt, got sweat patches on, <laughs> and he's asking me, we have an interview, and he's asking me questions, and these questions differ to the first time around. I was thinking, bro, oh, I started thinking, I don't really need to prepare for this, but I did a bit of preparation, but the first time around, I did solid hours of preparation for that interview, that any question that came up, I would answer, but I still didn't answer anyway, because I still waffled. But this time around, it was like, okay, it was difficult, because I knew I did so well last time, I didn't want to be complacent, but I wanted to kind of have the interview but still put myself in good stead and the thing is he's so relaxed and so in, not informal but he's relaxed but then he can just take you for a question like bam and you're thinking whoa I wasn't expecting that so we had the interview a week later time for you know he puts in he puts in a catch-up in my in my calendar for uh for feedback and like he goes you know Daniel, how are you you know fine fine he goes this is deja vu. I thought, oh, flip sake, man. He said that straight away. I know I, I know what the outcome is. He goes, this is deja vu. I'm thinking, flip. He goes, you know, he interviewed very well. There's, like, there's no feedback for you. And he said, like, I didn't get it. There was one, again, one other person um, because of the experience, because of the, the side of the business that is in, this person had, you know, been in, been in the company for, I think, twenty years, and so that's why they're successful. Not a number of reasons, of course. Blah blah blah. And I'm thinking, and he said, you know, we had the conversation, but I wasn't this time. I wasn't too disheartened. I was like, you know, I don't mind. They even spoke to my manager. I said, you know, I don't even know if I want to apply. I'm going to apply, but I don't know if I get it. I don't know if I'll take it. And he goes to me, and he said to me, the the manager of this of this role in the team said to me, you know, is don't worry you'll get it one day. And I thought, you know, third time, it's either third time lucky or three strikes and you're out. Just forget about the role, big man. But 
that I say that I share that story because I've never shared that story with anyone actually. Um, and I think sometimes when you apply for roles, you you quite you find it a bit you you're a bit embarrassed when you don't go for you don't get a role you go for, especially when you think you're so good, you think you're you know the bee's knees. Mm. And it's rejection, and it's, right? It's, yeah, it's rejection. Yeah, basically, it's very rare in situations where someone says you're not good enough and someone's better. That's how I always feel whenever I do like job applications. It's always a rejection and okay, it's not a rejection like oh everything's fine. No, it's a rejection and we feel like this person's a better candidate. Whilst yeah. yeah. And it's, it's even rejection and there's no feedback. There's nothing you can do better because each time mm-hmm. there was nothing he could said, Oh, you need to improve on this or you need to improve mm-hmm. on that. It was just like, no, there was some someone better. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in life it comes down to things that the margin between you know, getting something and not is so, so small, so, so thin that it's, it's sometimes it's not even, it, it's not even your fault. There's nothing you can do better for you to change that decision or the outcome. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. So, and then today, the role. And another job came, came up. up. <laughs> Same role. No, no, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. It didn't yeah. come up. It didn't come up. No, but Daniel, it's crazy because Daniel, you said like, oh, you didn't, you didn't really mention that to anyone, um, that story. But it's crazy because I don't want to obviously use the exact same story, but I went through something exactly similar to you, and I'm not sure if I ever discussed it to you. I think I might have discussed it a little to you. I know she well. We sort of spoke about it a little, but I basically similar to you, um, same same as you. I've been in my role now for coming up to sort of two two years, two, three years. And I reached to the point where I just felt like I had achieved everything that I could in the role in terms of learning. Um, you're starting to find certain days just dragging on, getting up was starting to become uh, um, more difficult. Um, and especially coming from the graduate um, sort of scheme, I was always used to moving every four months. So you already get that sort of mindset to, okay, after you've been in a role for a certain amount of time, it's time for you to grow and develop. So beginning, same as you, end of last year, beginning of this year, I sort of said to my manager, look, it's time for me to move on, right? So I said, look, I want to stay in the company. I want to look internally. And I'm just giving you the heads up so that when it's time for me to move, you've got sufficient time to find a replacement. Now, the only difference between me and you is I almost made myself redundant <laughs> by having that conversation because um, they obviously started looking for, okay, what are some of our options and what can we do? Um, and then the pandemic sort of hit. So there wasn't that many roles internally. Um, same as you, I found this really great role that I was interested in, which was in HR. So I was trying to leave like core finance FPNA. I moved to a completely different um, different function. So this was like a head of people operations analytics. It was like a beautiful role. It was strategic. Loving it. I applied for it. I did a whole presentation for the interview. She didn't even tell me to do a presentation. I put a presentation together, done a bunch of research, like this should be your strategy. This should be what you should focus on. I even called up some people that I knew that worked in HR, did so much homework and everything. And it was just dragging on. A week went by, no response. As soon as it starts to go over like a week, two weeks, yeah, 
you know you didn't get a job. <laughs> like, if they're not messaging you or calling you, you know you didn't get a job. Two weeks goes by. I'm like, yo, let me just drop them an email. Hey, guys, just following up. Here's some more research and information I found. Um, they come back to me and say, oh, no, we're still going through the recruitment process. Anyways, long story short, they just said, look, even though you interviewed really well, you just don't have the experience. You've never worked in HR. For us to make you a head of role, right, um, a lot of people in HR are going to be like, why does he get preference? Why did you? So that role just completely fell, um, fell off. And all of a sudden, I started having conversations about, okay, we're going to restructure your role. We're going to move around the team based on the fact that you've announced um, that you want to leave. So I think touching this um, conversation, a lot of times I was really doubting, like, was making the leap of faith actually the right decision? Should I just kept my mouth shut and being comfortable in a role where I'm not really being stretched? I'm not really being challenged. Um, I clock in, clock out, get paid. Or should I truly say, you know what? I'm truly going to invest in myself. I'm truly going to challenge myself and find a new role. Um, luckily, um, a project similar to you, a project came up. And this project is a CFO, CFO company project. And they agreed, okay, we're going to move you on to this project and you're going to work on this project. This project potentially can take two years and you can work on this project. And um, that ends, that ended up saving sort of me not getting put on redundancy and having to look for a new job externally. Um, but I think, again, going back to the point is I'm always a fun believer of you just got to always take, take a leap of faith in yourself. Because if I just stayed comfortably in that role for another, let's say, two, three years, right? And then all of a sudden the restructuring happens, me trying to find a role externally, I probably wouldn't be able to because they were like, oh, wait, you stayed in this role for five years. You didn't move. Like, maybe you're just not a performer. Like, what else have you learned? Like, I feel by me taking a leap of faith in myself, I'm going to gain a lot of experience and expertise which when it's time for me to move in the future, I'm going to be able to do. But it's not good hearing that you, it's not good hearing that you're not right for a job. It's not good almost being made redundant or going through restructuring. Um, so yeah, it's it's a tough, it's a really tough process, but I will always say, look, taking a leap of faith in yourself is always critical, man. But sometimes it's like, sometimes you're even forced to take a leap. It's, it's it's crazy like that. Sometimes I say that because I didn't even give you the full context or full background of my story. So just I saw sure to I know you got something to say. When I started hating my when I started hating my role, I was handpicked for that the role I was doing, I was handpicked to do. It was a special project. It was something that never been done before in a company. And I was doing that for two years. Then out of the blue, we had some restructure. And then my role changed overnight. And I was now being asked to do things I had never been asked to do before with expectations up here. And I was like, huh? <laughs> so three months after that kind of restructure, I was like, no, this ain't for me. This is not for me. And that's when I started doing a nosedive, like, uh-uh, I don't, this is not what I want to do. And I'm not enjoying it. And then that's when I had the conversations like, yeah, I'm, and just before that, the, what I was doing was just kind of, there was little interest, lack of growing, lack of development of skills, etc., and it was becoming mundane. And then that's why I got into the state of, oh, I'm really not enjoying it. 
and I think it was around the time when we're talking about um, seeing a therapist. I actually started seeing a therapist because of how I was feeling and the way it was affecting me and my my relationships. So I started seeing a therapist, and you know, work had a big impact on my my personal mental state and well being. Um, but yeah, and then fast forward, and as he was saying, projects out out here saving people. But no, but to, if you ask me today in my role, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it because I've been given, you know, this project. I've also been given greater responsibilities. I'm now um, a specialist in crypto, etc. So it's it's quite interesting. It's and it's growing, growing rapidly. Actually, Daniel, the reason why I unmuted myself is that I, I wanted to ask this question to both you and Ollie, and I think you already answered it. What was the the trigger point for you thinking, okay, I want to, I want to. Jump ship, and you just explained. In your case, it was your role and responsibility shifting overnight. Um, but Olu, what was the final trigger where you were like, "No, nah, this ain't it. I need to. I need to try something else." Two reasons. <laughs> One, it was Beckley Rose. <laughs> no, 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 no. Beckley Rose is not going to make me switch roles. It's going to make me leave the company. <laughs> that's two, two different. That's two different. Um, you know? No, one was around. I'll say everything started to get mundane i wasn't growing so i could just see myself just doing the exact same thing week over week and then the second one was having non-added value conversations with people like that is my my biggest frustration is when i'm on a call spending half an hour an hour on something that i personally think doesn't matter doesn't add any value to the company it feels like a repetition of something we talked about a week two weeks ago even mm-hmm. reached a point where I snapped at one of these calls That's where I, I actually snapped. I Because I was on mute for most of the call and I unmuted and I was like, um, this is actually frustrating. I, I literally said, this is actually frustrating. And I was like, I feel like we've talked about this two weeks ago. I don't know why this is so complicated. And then the person I said that to obviously <laughs> lost their ish and was like, what? How dare you say this is frustrating? <laughs> I remember this. I remember this conversation. Yeah, this was, it was so because <laughs> this was actually an executive, which I said well, this is frustrating too. But it just shows that it reached a point where I was just not passionate about what I was doing, and I just didn't feel like there was any added value. Yeah. Yeah. What's the? Uh, no, sure. What is your? P, you go next. I go last. Now, nah, P's having a problem with his internet, which I think he needs to sort out. So. I think maybe you should go next because he's struggling with that internet. Yeah. Maybe sure right. you should switch it and talk about like personal, maybe dating, relationships. Can you can you even can you even <laughs> yeah, 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 we can yeah, eat just the word. <laughs> I think I think sure you're about to touch on some personal like relationships. Dating. Yeah, guys. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about relationships, right? When I take Your first leave. love, second love. And um and it didn't work out. So are you being serious? Of course not. Of course oh, I thought he was going to start crying. <laughs> hey, there is no way I would share that on a podcast. Now, actually, what I wanted to talk to you about, it's a bit annoying because my one is also work-related. Um, but there's there's two there's two potential there's two potential pathways which came which were triggered by one decision. So I remember speaking with you guys about eighteen months ago, similar to Olu, where I had worked in finance roles and. I had kind of I felt like I saw what this role looked like in different countries in different parts of the the organization, and then it got to a stage where I was like, mm, "This isn't. This doesn't feel like it fits with my 
personality anymore. I don't feel like I'm growing as much. And then what was what I was started to pay attention to is people that I had worked very closely with, senior levels, they were even telling me as well, I don't know if you're making the most out of your talent in certain areas with these types of roles. Um, now, during that time, I was in a role which had been uh, restructured. I think we spoke about it in an episode. I went into the role knowing that this role won't be there in 18 months. So I was given more than enough time. And it was also a project-based role. Um, <laughs> but, then, but then at the end of it, even though oh, I knew 18 months. What did, you, what did you say about projects? Do you, you want to know what's really funny? Because I'm not going to use the example for work. I could. But you got a project. No, wait, 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 wait. But what I will say, yeah, is when one of when my role was restructured, not the role I'm in now or the role I'm moving to, it was actually, I was actually, the role I was moved into was a project-based role. <laughs> Projects out so in saving. So they're literally, they're literally saving careers. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So anyway, go ahead. I'm not going to use that as an example. So basically, so I got to the stage where I did this role for 18 months. I already knew beforehand going in it's an 18-month role. But anyway, it got to the 18 months. And then because it's the process, they gave me the letter to be like, all right, Shuel, as you knew, um, you're, you're potentially exiting because of this role. Again, it's not because of you personally. It's because of the, the team, the structure, blah, blah, blah. But this is it. Um, here's the letter. Here's also what you would be potentially paid out. Um so, but we, of course, we want to keep you as a, in the company, you're a top talent, blah, 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 all the usual stuff. Then that's the first decision where I had to take, do I want to jump or not? And I was having a conversation with Pabila about this very transparently, about whether all the property stuff was kind of bubbling on the side. And then with this potential payout package, it gives you enough of a runway where 12 to 18 months, you're still kind of earning as if you would be in a job. So then it was, it was really the question of, okay, cool, do I... Do I jump? <laughs> Do I jump now to go all in on everything else outside of work, or do I still wait and try and ride out this wave that I have within the company? Now, this is a conversation I had lots of back and forth about with myself, with some close friends, and then in the end, I concluded that this wasn't the right period to take that jump. So that was one thing. Now, what I really the, what was the key factor? Like, what was was it a I zero? The key factor was on the property side, I felt like I was getting to grips with newer strategies, more advanced strategies, but I don't think I was at a stage yet where I could have taken the jump. If it was to happen now, I think I'm in a much better position than I would have been 12 to 18 months ago. Um, this was actually just over 12 months ago. So that's where I was, where it was basically. Now, the first jump, which I didn't take was, do I leave the company or not? And this one, I, <laughs> this one, I um, didn't. Now, the next question is, okay, if I'm not going to take the package, what would be the other options? Now, similar to Olu, I was looking at finance roles, wasn't getting as excited. And then I thought, okay, let me take the jump. I'm what now 29. I've done this finance stuff. Let me try something a bit different. So then this now led to, to me taking this role now that I've been in for the last year in the Nordic. So that was a jump. There were moments where I felt, is this the right thing? You build up seven, eight years worth of equity network, still within the same company, but in a particular function. And then it even concluded at the end where the, the group CFO, I told him that I'm thinking of jumping outside of finance to be on the more business side. And he actually said to me that naturally, I'm quite disappointed to hear that because I saw you as a future finance leader. So when he mentioned that in a conversation, in that split second, I was like, shit, am I taking the right decision here? Or is this like the wrong, wrong thing? But by then I took the decision, so I moved. 
Now, it's been a year. Um, I've personally probably delivered more in the last year than I've ever done in the previous seven. Everything feels a lot more in tune with my skills, my capabilities than previously before. And I feel like I'm also able to help the team around me and also shine more. But then this is where the next jump happens, right? And this is where I've had a conversation with P recently. Now it's got to the stage where with this year role that I've done, again, more project-based, now I've got options of either moving into a business role um, or a finance role. And then actually in the last couple of months, there was an opportunity on the finance side for a very senior position, which was floated to me of if you wanted to come back into finance, this is a role that you could do. So then this kind of made me a bit, all these questions start coming up. Do I want to go back? Like, yes, I've really done well in the last year, but do I want to build on that or not? And then actually the conversations I had around this particular role on the finance function, I had conversations with people of different levels around the role. They all said that we can consider you um, and you'll be a good candidate. But then in the end, the one guy who was a decision maker for this role, he actually said to me that I'm asking for too much, that I need to show humility in the types of roles I'm asking for, and that I'm way too inexperienced for this role, and just all of this stuff. And it was a bit of a rant that he was going on that. Um, and he actually said that I need to do one year in another type of technical accounting role before he'd offer me this main role. In the end, and I haven't told Pavilo this, two, three weeks ago, I had decided, okay, I really like the role that I'm in, but I'm going to go back into finance because I'm comfortable. I know that area. I'll do this one-year assignment that this guy is asking for, and then I'll jump back into the finance function. But actually, I decided last week that I'm going to completely um, kill my finance dream. I'm not going back into a finance role. I'm actually going to build on what I'm doing now and go into the business. So I realized surprise. That, huh? I said peace surprise. Look the look at yeah, the last peace time surprise, spoke, said, the last, yeah. The, the last time the last time I spoke to P, I was gonna lean the other way, but I was really reflecting and I had one conversation with someone who said to me that you've got it's something that I just needed to hear. She basically said you've got so much potential. If you're Bro. going back and taking the safe option, I don't know if you're maximizing your cards. And I was just thinking, who is who told you that? Who? <laughs> I'd have to repeat because this only happened last week. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I don't ever. I don't. At least I say this now. My mindset at this stage is the finance stuff that I've learned was a previous life. I'm now building off of that, and I'm building on the momentum that I've got in this role. And I'm going to go all in on the on the business side, whether that's. In, in my company that I'm working in or another company. But now that I've taken that jump, that's it. So there was two stories there. One of a jump that I could have taken to exit, but I didn't, and took that to jump into a different part of the business. Now, it was to some voices were pulling me back, but then I realized those voices I need to kind of ignore and just kind of push on. And I have like, to thank- Those voices, but those voices, P. Those voices no, that you need no, to ignore. I, I spoke with P, I spoke with a couple of other guys that I've worked with outside of work, inside of work. And then I realized I was giving myself excuses to take the easy option. I was saying, ah, oh, but you know, there's this on this side that I don't like. I don't like this about the rock. But all of that is just crap. That's the area that I will learn the most and where I'll grow yeah. the most. There is a risk that I could be terrible at it. But based on what I've done in, what I, in the last 12 months, I know that I've got enough 
enough to have a fair chance of doing it well. And, and 10 years are, ago, I would regret if I didn't do it. So and sure, like, the good thing about it is, for me personally, I think, even if you fail and decide that you're talking about, you, you can always, always go back, back to finance. Always, finance always. will take you back. Even if it's just, uh, maybe it's not as good as the role that you wanted before, but they'll always find a finance role for you somewhere. And I have to, and when I had that conversation with that guy on the finance side, who said all of this stuff and he was like, yeah, you need to do this role and that you still don't have enough experience. At the time I was really frustrated because I was like, this guy's blocking me from where I want to go. But then I framed it where there was a reason why I had that conversation with him at the time that I did to go the direction that I should be going in. So yeah, let's let's see. Hopefully, twelve months from now, I'm saying the same thing. Yeah, no, that's a that's an incredible story. No, but I think I personally, I think you're making the right choice, um, and you're taking a leap of faith in yourself. And it sounds from my conversations with you and just seeing you, it sounds like you're happier doing what you're doing now. So that's that's a lot. That's rewarding enough, right? Have- then going back. I have to say also one one last comment and then we'll pass it over to Pete. I having the stuff that we have on the side definitely makes that decision a little bit easier. Because if there was like no property stuff, nothing, then I would I might be taking the safer option. But because there's that kind of safety net that will continue to build on the side, it gives you that flexibility. Yeah. Uh, not for sure. So unfortunately, P's internet's not strong enough. Yeah, handle his, his, his experience, so I'm going to talk on his behalf. So, can you what did, what did Daniel say? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Yeah, Pete, he your camera off. So, I have to, turn my we, camera. Can't hear, we, can't, we can't hear you, we can't hear you. So, I'll talk for Pete. Nah. So, Pete, basically, in 2008, <laughs> <laughs> what's what the 2008 story? I'm playing, I'm, oh, I don't know, but it's 2000. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, I think so. So um, I don't want to be the fourth person to, to, to narrate another example at work, um, because I think we've all I think it's quite interesting that we've all been we've all had very similar stories. Um, um, and I could actually add another story in, in my situation. I think I've been I've been made redundant, I think, two or three times now. So each time, each time. um you're really taking a leap of faith as to whether you I'm going to move back to the UK, what role do I want to take next and things of that nature. So um, I think you guys have covered that story well. The, the story that perhaps I did want to share, which is maybe not so much of a leap of faith, but it was more around failure and really sharing something which to this day, when I think back, it's one of the reasons why I try to make the most of every single opportunity I have. And I'm going back all the way back to A-levels. Yeah. And so, and so, and the, the reason being, <laughs> no, wait, no, the, the reason, the reason being is because it's because like, I couldn't have failed any harder than what I did. Um, but what I saw was when you fail, how it can impact others. So maybe just to give a bit of background, um, everybody knows when you go from, when you finish your GCSEs and then you then start working on A-levels, the jump is, is significant. And so if you're not working from day one in terms of like going the extra mile and working harder, you're already having to play catch up. And so I didn't take basically my A1, uh, A, AS, my AS, AS levels, my AS levels uh, very seriously. And I found out too late in the process. Um, I think you start off with four ASs and then it drops down to three. I think I basically had to do a number of retakes in the first year. I, nec- I, I, I felt it, but I didn't think it was actually detrimental because I still had another year to go. Um, 
I remember, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. I, I, this is how bad it was at one point. I remember revising for my retakes, having an exam on my retakes. In, in, the, exam, in the examination hall, it's account, it accounts. Opening like the, the, the exam paper, looking at the question and just looking up saying, I'm not going to do this, man. I'm not going to make this. this is, <laughs> I literally, I literally, I think I had a tear or two. I had a tear or two, yeah? And I said, this ain't, this ain't like my, I'm not going anywhere. You can laugh, you can laugh. It's okay to laugh. I'm not, I, I have to be serious because I'm telling a story. But I literally, I was in the examination hall and I remember saying to myself, I've revised though. I've revised. And, and I'm looking at, <laughs> and I'm looking at this exam paper and I don't know how to, like, I'm thinking to myself, the teachers are crap. We're, what we learning? All of these kind of things, right? So it's going downhill. It's, it's a downward spiral. Go ahead, sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know, you know, you know the crazy thing about that, Pamela. The question was just probably like, "What's your full name?" No, no, no. Come on, come on. Are you already sure. struggling with that? Sure. Go ahead. Sure. Go ahead. No, all, all, uh... <laughs> Bro, no, what I was gonna say. Bro, is... don't listen look, before you before you say your piece, yeah, guys. I kid you not, yeah. The look on my face was suffering. If you was in the hall, yeah, and you looked at my desk, I was like this. Please, I beg, why, man? Why, why? Oh, suffering. So, go ahead, sure, go ahead. So the reason why I, I want to quickly interject is for some of the listeners who may not know, Pabila and I, we worked very closely together in 2012 in the summer. And the thing is, I used to walk past his desk and he'd always be like this. <laughs> You're so dumb. You're so dumb. But you're, so dumb. I never knew why, but now I'm you're so dumb. Anyways, anyway, so so the point of the so as I was as I was saying, I didn't take A1 serious. I didn't take my AS seriously enough. It was only two, it was too late. Then I realized what it actually took to really get good grades. I had to do a number of retakes, especially with accounts. I then tried to step it up in my final year. But if I'm being honest with you, I, I think I started the the whole uh first two years on the back foot. So I'll get to the point of the story. Um we all know how important it is at that point in of our lives to get a good education because it puts you into the next um, phase of your life where you can actually attend a good university and push on. Um, and so the reason why this failure for me stands out is because I saw how it affected other people in my family at the time. So I'd finished my A-levels. My, I finished my, yeah, done my ASs. I've done my complete A-levels um, to the best of my ability at that particular point in time. Um, thought I had done enough to basically get into... Uh, good enough universities. I had applied at the time. Wait, wait. I had applied to Oxford Brooks, uh, Brunel University, and another university, all to do business management. And in order to get into these um, degrees, uh, into these yeah, degrees, I had to achieve, I think, three Bs, if I'm correct, three Bs. So, so what's, what's that? That's two forty UCAS points. I think so. Something along the lines. It's crazy, yeah. wild, wild UCAS points, right? So, I'm. I've 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 completed. I think I've done relatively okay. I think I've I think because I've done better than my second year in terms of my first year in terms of revising. I thought I've given myself a good chance. Um, the day of the the day of the releasing of the results. I remember we was um, on a family holiday, and just to give you an example, Brunel are asking for more than Oxford Brooks. So if Oxford Brooks say no, you know Brunel are gonna not even bother gonna consider me. And so on that day, I remember very clearly, I can even imagine it today, how um, frantic my mum was in, in, because 
I didn't I didn't know I didn't know at the time, but in her eyes, her whole thing was if I get you right, then the, the next two coming are gonna be on a good track. But if you miss this step, then I think you what you don't realize is that for the next two, they only have you to look up to, right? And so I remember when the I'm, I'm even shaking as I'm telling the story. I remember when the results, when they started to publish the results, I think Oxford Brooks had basically said, no, I think in the end, the, the final, so my, so my nan had called my mom and said, yeah, I've just received the, 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 the transcript. Um, he's got, uh, I, didn't, I didn't hear this, my mom heard this, right? But he's, he's received uh, two Ds and a C. So my mom, no, kid you not, I kid you not, yeah? She, I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember, I remember, <laughs> I remember looking at, I was, on, I was on the couch and I remember looking at while she was on the couch. <laughs> Let me let him laugh. 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 Because it's, it's a take, it's a take. The story's got a Taylor two hearts in it. It's let it out. Let it out. Let it out. Let it out. I put myself on mute. Let it out. Let it out. No, don't, 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 don't put yourself on mute. For the listeners. Uh, Daniel was laughing so hard he fell off. So the chair. my grandmother told my mother, I didn't know at the time, but on the phone, he's he got two D's and a C. Um, another thing, maybe to add, which is why maybe you guys will find funny. Um, um, actually, if I say this, it doesn't make my mum look so good. So I'll, I'll forget that part. Next, next, well, I, I can say it after. I say it next one. Okay. So I remember that when my, when I was sitting there on the couch looking at my mum receive the news, she started to sweat and panic, and basically. With those results, it effectively meant that I wasn't going to get accepted to any of these universities, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think then at some point, Oxford, Oxford Brooks had basically said, no, you didn't achieve the, the, the grades. Um, Brunel, of course not. And then I can't remember the other university. So effectively, I felt like there's, there's no clear failure than that. Um, and what I remember at the time, and I carry this with me through my life, is just how your your performance the value that you're given the value you're supposed to unlock for yourself affects other people right at the time i didn't know how much my performance and how much my success affects my brothers and how much my mother in my mother's mind she was probably thinking all of my work is to get you to this point and you've dropped the ball we can't have this right of course i'm understanding it later on now at the time i just i didn't realize um and so and so I, yeah, I just basically, I remember just having, to, I, I think I spent the rest of the day at the mosque, just praying for another opportunity. Uh, just basically, I know it's not a leap of faith, but I had to basically hold the faith um, and just basically say, look, if you give me an opportunity at some university to do a decent degree, I'll make sure that I basically repay you um, and I'll repay the faith and I'll work as hard as I can to make sure I make something of myself. Um, so in the end, you know, I think Daniel and Olu know the story because these guys got the same letters. You basically, when you didn't make the mark, you received another letter from the same university to basically say, we, you can't accept, we can't accept you for business management, but we can bring you on to another course. Um, and then I was able to be accepted on to, basically it was a clearing process. Am I, am I not, am I correct, right? Clearing was the name of the process. So yeah, no, so, so went through clearing, got into university and, and then kind of we are where we are today. But I think, I think the reason why I share that story was one, um, I didn't want to share another corporate story, but two, I think you what what I what I learned from that experience was the importance of making most of every opportunity you have, right? And understanding that your choices transcend, like the choices you make today transcend into decades. So had I had 
basically performed better during my A-levels. I, I don't know where I could have been, maybe better off, who knows. But I carry that with me because it, it's a way of actually minimizing failures in my life, right? If I make most of every opportunity that I'm given. Um, so yeah, that's basically the story. Um, I'm glad that you guys were able to, uh, Daniel was able to fall off his chair. Um, all good. Can you hear me now? Yeah, so Pete, quick question. So then, so you mentioned during that period, right? So you're, you went to you went to the mosque, you were praying and everything, but how how was I your prayed, mom? I prayed, I prayed hard. Now, we, everybody was just, everybody was, um, she needed, she needed a few hours to sort of figure out what the game plan was, right? Um, and then we started going into solution modes. Um, and I think it was then, it wasn't, it was the same day when my nan basically, basically rang back and said, you've received a letter as well about, about financial computing. So luckily we didn't have to wait too long to, to work with a particular plan. And then we discussed it as a family and we thought it makes sense to go to Brunel because it's a household name. The brand makes sense. You can make something of it and you can go from there. Um, but yeah, I think for, for a good three, four hours, I, I was in the mosque by myself. I was in the mosque when it wasn't even prayer time. The, clean, the cleaners were in the mosque uh, um, vacuuming the, the prayer mats. <laughs> no, and what was that, one last question, Pete. And what was mm. your what was the reaction of your brothers? Did they I really know think, what was going on, they didn't really? No, I don't it? think they really understood. All I knew, all, all I knew is when I saw. All I knew is I think I don't know if I said it to myself at the time, but I said, "I'm, I'm never going to make my mom panic and sweat the way she did that day again." Mm. It's not happening because it's just you don't realize actually the impact you have on others until it's too late. And you don't want the whole point of working hard and making the most of the opportunities that you don't ever meet that point. Mm. So I don't think, no, they didn't realize because we're talking how many years ago now? Uh, 10, 12 years ago? 12. Yeah. So, so 12 they wouldn't have realized. Um, um, I didn't even realize myself, but my mom was, my mom was sort of writing on the wall. For, cause I think, um, and just to switch. And I, I asked this question for Pabilo and Daniel um, and just let me know if you guys are comfortable to answer it, right? Because both of you are obviously married, right? So for the listeners, why don't me? you just give me? No, not you. <laughs> <laughs> I said Daniel and Pabilo. So why oh. don't you guys talk about sort of leap of faith when it came to sort of deciding to get married Ooh. and making that massive leap. Oh, I think for, good question. for a lot of the good listeners they'll like to hear we, that. We ain't got that kind of time left. Trust me. But but I think it'll be a great question. In short, it was easy. Light work. Quick decision. Cool. For me, it was a bit... For me, it was... Um, it was something I knew I wanted. Something I knew I wanted to do. But it's something that I think... You can think you're ready for it, but you're not going to be, you're not ready for it and you can't be ready for it. It's yeah. you. It's, it's a journey because although it's marriage, it's, that's not the end of it. That's just the start of a journey together. And it's also knowing and believing you are choosing the right person because ultimately as a man, you're asking for the woman's hand in marriage. It's not the other way around. Well, I don't believe it should be the other way around anyway. They shouldn't be asking you. You're asking them. So with that comes a whole other responsibility that in life they can always come back and say to you you asked me although they said yes you are the one who asked them and you know there was obviously responsibility about around marriage and even you can question yourself like is this the right person oh no but how if 
someone else comes along that's better, mm. etc. You can have these many questions in your head if you don't firmly believe you're marrying the right person. And I think there can be many issues. But I don't. I think it is a conversation, not because I'm trying to avoid it, because I can happily go into it into great detail. I just don't feel there's enough time to go into it. Yeah, real quick. Well, I'm going to say Daniel's right. There's not enough time. Um, but jokes aside from what I said earlier. So maybe for some of the listeners, um, I basically was standing on the cliff for 10 years. I've been with Lauren for 15 years. <laughs> and I didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. But it's, it's. Um, I think Daniel is well said. Um, even, even with, even having been with someone for as long as I have, you're still wondering, is it the right time? Um, um, how are things going to change? If they do change, is it for the better? Is it for the worse? And and you have ten years. I have ten years of data with this person. I'm thinking, maybe it's been so good for the last ten years. Let's just continue this way. Or no, if we get married, it'll be so. There's a lot. There's a lot. But it's um, um, I think I think sometimes the best the best advice I know I was given at one point was jump. And I know it happened. The title of this episode just happens to be take a leap of faith, um, because a lot of the times, it, it's it's. There's so much, there's so much greatness at the other end, right? And I think if you look at all of the stories that we've shared, um, we've benefited so much from from jumping. So I think marriage is marriage is certainly you, you jump and you make it work. Cool. So just build, just building on those beautiful answers by uh, Daniel and Pete. Oli, I've got a question for you. Yeah, um, what has stopped you from taking that jump with someone? I'll say the same reason. <laughs> same reason. <laughs> I, no, this is easy. I, I guess the same reason. Yeah, I, right? I, I, I don't think that. But it's true. I'd expect that question from one of the other guys, but same reason as you know. Um, yeah, what's yours? <laughs> same reason as you. No? So what's Charles' reason? What's reason? I didn't think it was a hard question, though. No, mine's simple. I think it's basically what Daniel and he said is, a lot of times you're questioning, is it the right time or is it the right person? I think that's the main, mm. the two reasons that you're sort of waiting to take the leap. Can I just quickly, I wanted to just double down on what Daniel said, right? And, and this will always be a fact. And so, and it's good for you you and Olu, Olu and Shaw to know this. Yeah. It's a fact. Don't matter if you've been with someone for 10 years, two years, 15 years, when the time comes, you will never feel like you're ready, ever. Yeah. You, you will never feel like you're ready. So you just you just look at your face. So you literally you. That's why I spoke about the jumping and making it work, because um, and it's the same with, with it's the same with your first child. You can do as much planning as you want, all of the finances, everything's still not ready. I still don't feel ready. So, um, so Shua, what's your views about a first child? Don't, but you, but but Oli, you're avoiding you're avoiding Shaw's question. You didn't finish the question. Yeah, thank you, Daniel. Thank you. You didn't finish answering. I answered it. I answered it straightforward. I said based on what Kabilo and Daniel said, you ask yourself, is it the right time, and is yeah. it the right person? I think that's the the main reason that stopped me from making that leap or judge um, jump is you always ask yourself, is it the right person? Is it the right time? Have you known the person long enough? I'll say those are the okay. The, then sorry, just 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 to ask that question then, and I, I don't want it to be like a long answer. Um, not that you're going to say a long answer, but what for you is the right time, or how do you know it's the right time? I think it's it's difficult because I would always say 
I would think the right time is a specific feeling, but you don't know what that feeling is. So it's it's not an easy question to answer shortly, right? Because if I knew that answer, then maybe I would say, okay, it's after I've known the person for X amount of time, after I feel this comfortable. I just don't know what but, that... Um, but, yeah, maybe... Then maybe we can help these guys. What was what was it for you where you felt it was the right time? Because yeah, what made you? Yeah, what, like when it where you came from dating to say, okay, you know what, this two is months, two months. So why did you? How long no. were you guys together? Before you being serious? We dated. We, date, we dated for two months, okay. and you knew. No, sorry, sorry. I we dated for two months, and then I knew. Seven months after we started dating, so five months after I knew, I proposed. Thirteen months later, we got married. But why did you know after two months? Because we had a friendship before. It was just a pure mm. friendship that we had known. Not it was four years that we had known each other, but we didn't speak for those. Four, we didn't speak like we weren't friends from you know day one till that point. We spoke on and off, you know, infrequently. Sometimes you know weeks or months would pass, and then the friendship we our friendship um, grew, and we got closer. Then we started dating, and because I already know I had known her character, I knew who she was. And what she had done, you know, we're not trying to impress anyone because we're just friends. So as a friend, you're not trying to impress other person. It's just a, a pure friendship. And because I knew the character that she possessed, etc., without her trying to, um, to, without her trying to impress me, I knew the mm. kind kind of person she was. And then we dated, and then I knew after you know we had taken that friendship to the next level, I knew she was the one I wanted to marry and spend my life with. What about you, P? What was the... um, yeah, I was just thinking as Daniel was talking. So, um, um, in, in trying to keep it short, so so um, how did I know? I'm thinking back now. How did I know that Lauren was the one? I think, I think oh. I reflect. I think I reflected on the fact that I said, if you've been with someone for as long as I have, that's a rare unicorn. And and there are so many times in that space where you could either break up or go separate ways or there's a number of things that can happen. So you've made it this far. That means something. That's number one. And number two, I think there are moments in the relationship where you think to yourself, like I would marry you for what you just did there. You showed me some loyalty or you, or you, you, you looked after me a certain way or you supported me when you didn't have to. So I think there are moments where you reflect on and you realize not like, I don't want to lose that. Um, and then I, and then it, and then I think there was another part of me, which, which basically said, um, she deserves more. I don't know if the more is is the wedding or, or whatever, but I just know she deserves more. She's and she deserves the next level, whatever that looks like. So I think these these are the reflection points that started to and come. She and she deserves better internet, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Sort that out. No, that was cold. Yeah, that was... <laughs> See, look, he's out. Yeah. What about you, uh, Shua? I know I shouldn't really be speaking on this because the guys are talking about um, marriage and when they felt their wife was the one. But just building on this, I wanted to get a sense check with you on this theory that one of my old managers said. She was a female lady, older, and she has like two kids, a family. And she gave me a theory about men and women when it comes to getting married, right? Her view was when it comes to females... When they meet the right person, they're willing to marry that person at any point in their life. They can meet that person at 18. They can meet that person at 15. They can meet that person at 25, 27. But when it's the right person, they'll be like, okay, that's, that guy's the one I want to marry him. With guys, and again, this is very generalist. This is, this is her theory. 
with guys, she said that men marry women at particular windows in their life when they are ready. So before that point, they could meet women who tick all the boxes, are perfect for them. But because it's not in the guy's window where he is ready to get married, it doesn't matter who it is. The guy will eventually just marry whoever is around during that window that he's getting ready to get married, whether that's at 21, 25, 35. It just depends on who's around at that time. I can never make it one start. No, I can... Um, just because you're around. <laughs> in, in, just, no, just, trying to... just, just to say, this is a theory that was given to me yeah. by my female older manager. That was, that was the can theory. You, can you hear me? Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can actually, I'm trying to keep an open mind, right? Um, I can see how there is a lot of truth to that because men, men, we, we, um, we're more divas than them. Like we want to, we want to be set. We call it set. We want to be in the position. We want to, we want to have a lot of things going for ourselves um, to then add another piece or maybe at least that's the way um, sometimes it may feel. So I can, I probably definitely looked at myself and thought I've, I am where I want to be. Um, I like what's going on and, and I want to go to the next level. I wonder if actually would I have made the same move had I not achieved the personal success I had achieved? It would have been interesting. If I felt I was still trying to fight fight for my own success, would I have would I have married? Sounds crazy, but I'm just putting it out there to your point. But just, but just to build on that, P, that window doesn't necessarily mean it's a window where there's a certain level of success. It's just a window when the guy thinks, okay, do you know what? I, I think I'm ready to do this now. That could be based on different factors, not necessarily well, just financial. I think I, I personally think that sounds. I personally think. Hair. I personally think that sounds like. Can you? Wait, I personally, I personally think that sounds like Olu and Shua straight. <laughs> so I think what Shua is saying is, P, when you lose your hair and Shua is when you lose all your options. When you lose all your options, then you're ready to settle down. <laughs> oh my god! I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> Edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> one okay. hour and so yeah okay so but thank you all for sharing um the the wonderful <laughs> stories experiences and, and a great way to end uh it's been quite um i think we need quite a, comical i think we need a full topic on it it'll be really interesting i think i one I, taking what you said seriously sure i think one of the issues that us guys face maybe is that growing up we're not automatically programmed to just look for marriage or focus on marriage if that makes sense and i feel like based on disney and a lot of the ways women are like okay let's focus on this big big day right and it's like um sometimes we don't really talk to our friends male guys about okay when is the right time when do you know you found the right person when do you know if it's the right moment that you need to move forward yeah, I think I definitely think we need make make it. We should make it another episode. So thank you all for your wonderful comments, um, your your input, um, and it's a nice story. I didn't think we'll go to that that have that twist or go down that route towards the end. <laughs> what, twist? Nice what twist? What twist? What twist? My DTC. Of, no, I'm, I'm, no, no, no. I'm talking about the personal touch in terms of marriage, etc. But I'm sure we can we can fully we can flesh that out into a full episode oh. at a later stage. But thank you for all for listening. We hope you found it encouraging, and we hope that if there is if you find yourself towards the end of a cliff, you can take that leap of faith and and reach the other side. And remember, take flight. Make sure you bend down low and you jump up high and make sure your knees are strong so you can jump high. 
But if you've got any feedback for us, find us on Instagram at Take Flight Podcast or email us at takeflightpodcast at gmail.com. Stay safe, yeah. stay well, God bless. Take off, take